Welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. Steve Barry's latest novel in his Cotton Malone series is in wide release this week. I recently talked with Barry about the 14th Colony and the latest adventure of the Magellan Billet as they work to protect against a quirk in the Constitution. There's a flaw in our Constitution. Uh, there's a flaw in the Presidential Succession Act of 1947. And if a president-elect and a vice president-elect both die before taking before taking the oath of office, it's a real mess. It's a it's a huge mess. And there, the uh, the law itself is completely flawed. And for some inexplicable reason, Congress will not change that law. I'll give you a quick example just to show you what I'm talking about. We all know that if the president dies and the vice president dies, the Speaker of the House becomes president. That's a we all know that. Here's the problem. The Constitution forbids a member of Congress from being president of the United States. It specifically says you can't do that. So in order to take the oath, the speaker has to resign. Guess what? When he resigns, he's no longer speaker. So he can't be president. The law actually has that flaw built into it. And for some incredibly inexplicable reason, Congress will not fix it. And uh, there's no better no better uh, incentive for a terrorist plot. Yeah, it, it works out. It works out well. In this case, um, the the terrorist is not really the conventional sense. Uh, I, I, this book is set in the in the backdrop of the Cold War, so it's an ex KGB agent who has been stewing on this for 25 years, and it's you know for him the Cold War never ended, and he's going to uh, he's going to pay us back. He's gonna he's gonna make us pay for what we did to his homeland and to his way of life. And I came across some very interesting things when I was researching the book. You know, the Soviet Union produced about 250 suitcase-sized nuclear weapons. These, not a single one of those weapons has ever been found, ever. Um, it's fascinating. You know, that they, they, you know, where are these weapons? Where do they go? In 1999, Congress investigated this whole thing and found the, cre- the, the threat from these weapons quite credible, but yet nothing. Uh, nothing has ever surfaced with a, with a single one of those, which is which is fascinating. Um, and the KGB had weapon, weapons caches located all over the world. We know that because we found two of them, but there are many more we never found. And so I wove all of that into this thriller. It's reasonable to assume that speculation is that one of those weapons caches could be somewhere here in the yeah, United the, States. There's no question that they were in America. That we were their number one enemy. We were the number one enemy they prepared to fight a war against. So I would say a, a large quantity of those weapon caches are located somewhere in America, yes. Cotton seems to uh, have tried to retire a couple of times from the Magellan Bellet, but keeps being drawn back in for, for various reasons. Is, is there a parallel between between where Cotton is in, in, in his life and this kind of disgruntled former KGB agent wanting to finally fulfill his yeah, mission? Yeah, there is. There's a, there's, there, there are two sides of a coin, actually, and 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 that that was intentional in the way I framed the 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 antagonist of the novel, because he, Cotton has he gets drawn back in to do good, uh, Zoran gets drawn back in to do bad, and he's he's got a lot of negativity in him where Cotton has just the opposite. He doesn't have that negativity, so they are literally two sides of one coin that eventually square off, you know, face to face. History is is uh, so much a prominent part of the backdrop of, of, of all of your work, and especially in, in this one, and it takes you kind of around the globe as well, but to some really interesting places that uh, that exist in in the uh, in the U.S. and and I I guess I had read in history at some point or another about this particular 
um, society whose name escapes me at the moment. But it, it's Society ex- of Cincinnati. Right. It, it's still here and it still exists. It does. It's the oldest fraternal organization in America. It was created by the civil, by the uh, Revolutionary War officers. It has a fascinating past and a history that's explored in the novel. And it's still here today. It's headquartered in Washington, D.C. in a place called Anderson House, which is also in the novel. Its main job is to keep the civil, the uh, the Revolutionary War alive. It has one of the finest Revolutionary War libraries in the world. It's also philanthropic in in some of its purposes. But I gave it a little, a, a few little extra things uh, and, and brought it in. Interesting, I came across in the research Benjamin Talmadge, who was our very first spy master of America. He was our first real spy. Uh, was a member of the society. And it was uh, it's just interesting, uh, its connection to the government in the early part of our republic. And so I just wove it in, and particularly with its uh, – and then I, I gave it a little bit of a connection to Canada, which you know was supposed to be the 14th colony. And again, that's something else that's uh, very much a part of, of our American history, but I think maybe, maybe lost to many that, that, that may not be familiar with, with the fact that there actually was at one point, and I guess still does exist, a, a plan to do that. Yeah, we, we wanted Canada bad, I mean really bad. Um, we, we invaded in 1775, we invaded in 1815. We were defeated twice. Canada's the only nation in the world that can claim to have defeated America twice on the battlefield. Then in the 1930s, we formulated another secret plan to invade Canada. This plan was not only formulated, we actually did some things to implement it. We actually prepared to implement this plan. And if Hitler had taken England in 1941, we would have taken Canada. That was that was the, the plan. Uh, the plan stayed classified incredibly until 1974. So it's been sitting out there. I came across it and I read it. It was it's, it's all it's in the novel, and so I wove all of that into the novel too. And that's where the title comes from, the 14th Colony. Kind of like the secret bunker at the uh, at the Greenbrier in in, in West Virginia. <laughs> everyone yeah, yeah, everyone knows it exists. From those but... times, and uh, you know we. We were very terrified that if Hitler took England, he would use Canada as a staging ground to come at us. So we, we planned to take it. It was going to be pretty much a voluntary kind of taking. Canada would have probably agreed to that. But what they do not know is we weren't going to give it back. <laughs> um, the uh, not, don't want to give uh, anything away about the story, but needless to say that things are kind of left up in the air at the at the uh, at the end of the of the book and and uh, with this kind of changeover administration uh-huh. and whatnot. What what's on the horizon? Is there anything on the horizon? Oh yeah, Cotton lots of coming. Uh, I knew at some point Danny Daniels term as president. He's been in a bunch of books now. He's uh, been in eleven books. It's time for time for him to end. And his term is up, but uh, I like Danny. He's a great character, and so he's going to be back next year, and he's going to have a new job, and we're going to actually, for the first time, Danny's going to be point of view, which means we're going to hear his thoughts. We're going to be in his brain. He's going to be a point of view character. He never has been that before. And so he's going to get a new job, and he's going to be involved in that, and he's going to be around for a while. Uh, I have uh, great plans for him. He's not going anywhere. Uh, that book is finished. It's a it's a great adventure story. Uh, the 14th Colony is my take on the spy novel. Next year's book is my take on the adventure novel. It's called The Lost Order, and it deals with something very cool from the Smithsonian. And we're going to finally find out how Cotton got his name. <laughs> I was going to ask. I'm assuming Cotton and, and uh, some of the crew will be 
will be involved in They will all be there, and we're going to – I always tell people all the time that you know, it, it, it was a, it's going to take a book to tell you the story, and next year is it. <laughs> I've often asked authors that, that really have uh, strong and enduring, enduring characters, is, has Cotton Malone and, and his crew just become part of your family? my personality to create him, so he's pretty much me, so I, 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 I get along with him very well, and, you know, and we, we get along good, and yes, he's just part of it, that, that whole crew is part of it, um, and I, I like visiting with them, I like being with them, I like for them to grow and change, and they have over 11 books, there's been some you know, changing and growth, and there'll be some more coming, there's going to be some uh, evolution, Cassiopeia has not been in the last, uh, was not in the last book, and from the Lincoln myth, there was uh, trouble in paradise with her and Cotton, but she's back in this book, and she makes a, quite a grand entrance. Is it difficult to carry on a, a long-running, really popular series? I mean, I guess, do, do, you, do you feel pressure when you're thinking about the, the next, what yeah. is the next installment? Oh, yeah, sure you do. You want them, you know, The trick to writing a series, and this is the hardest thing about writing a series, is every single book in the series has to be the same but different. The same but different. That's a tough. That's a tall order, and I, I I try to accomplish that. All of my books are different because they deal with totally different subject matters and totally different times of history and totally different kinds of things. They're the same because they have action, history, secrets, conspiracies in them, and so it's that same but different. And 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 I try to try to keep up, you know, the best I can, and I, I give it all I got. You know, you can't please everybody all the time, but I, I try to do. I give it everything I have. It, uh, my former editor, Mark Tavani, told me once, he said, when you hand me a manuscript, I'm going to ask you a question each time. And and it, your answer should be the same each time. And the question is, is this the best you can do? And yes. And when I hand it to him, he'll ask me that. He used to ask me that question. I said, yes, this is the best I can do to right now. Now, when you ask me that question next year, it might be different because I, I would learn some things. So you try to do your best each time. You give it all you got. And so uh, I'm I'm okay with it. I've got ideas for the next four or five years, and I think uh, the series can keep growing and expanding. Well, something I wanted to touch base with you about, you're very devoted to historic preservation, and we've talked a little bit before, but tell us about your foundation, History Matters, and, and the work it's doing. We, uh, Elizabeth and I, my wife Elizabeth and I created it seven years ago, uh, and we, we help communities raise money for, for historic preservation projects. We've done all kinds of stuff all around the country, you know, buildings, documents, land, books, uh, you name it, we've done it. Um, we've done around 90 projects, and we do it in very different kinds of ways. We'll do meet and greets where you buy your way in with a contribution. We'll do dinners where you buy your way in. We, one of the main ways we do it is we teach our writers workshop. workshop. We teach four hours of the craft of writing and you buy your way into that with a contribution. And all of the money we raise goes to the project. We don't charge to come or expenses or anything. We pay our own way to go to these. We've raised right at a million dollars for various projects around the country now, and it's, it's, it's caught on and done very well. We do around five or six a year, and I'll be doing some while on tour this year in Albany, New York, and in Tulsa, Oklahoma. All of that, by the way, if anyone's interested, you can find out all about that at, and about me in the books at steveberry.org. That's Steve Berry. His latest novel is The Fourteenth Colony. In the author's voice is a listener-supported service of WSIU Radio and Southern Illinois University. I'm Jeff Williams.